and welcome to the Haunted HTX Podcast. I'm your host, Zach. Join me as we share people's true experiences of the paranormal and the strange. This week we have three stories. This first one comes from Shundare. So, this all happened when I was younger. And it's a couple of stories that I think all lead back to the same entity, honestly. But I couldn't say for sure. When I was younger, my sister and I lived in a ranch-style house with my mom. There was a carport that attached to the basement and was located on the side of the house directly underneath my bedroom. The carport slash basement was basically just full of junk we never used. My mom at one point decided to renovate the room in the basement to be a playroom for my sister and I, although we hated it down there. There were no doors on the basement room, and there were a total of three entrances, basically one on each wall except the wall that led to the outside, and the only light switch outside of the room was on the other side of the garage at the top of the stairs leading into the main area of the house. So basically, once you were in the playroom, there was no way to access the lights on the outside. So one day, my sister and I pissed off our mom and she made us go play in the playroom. She turned off the lights and essentially trapping us because she knew we weren't going to go through the pitch black basement to try and come up. I remember very clearly that we were playing Don't Break the Ice when my sis and I got into a fight and ended up on opposite sides of the room, being indignant little brats. (laughs) Since we weren't playing anymore, it was all silent in the room. And I noticed a weird dragging noise. It sounded like it was coming from everywhere at once and sounded almost mechanical. It was in a very specific pattern going but not like in a breathy way, more like as if a chain were being dragged across the floor. It didn't sound like it was getting closer, but it sounded like it was getting louder, as if noticing the sound gave it permission to go all out or something. Anyway, my sister and I ended up with our backs against the wall with no doors, keeping our eyes on all three doors. Literally, we couldn't see anything outside of the playroom. Nothing happened. Our mom eventually turned the lights on and called us up for dinner and we ran upstairs like our lives depended on it. We never played in that playroom again. A little while after the playroom scenario, I started waking up every morning around 2 a.m. to go pee. I don't know how long this had been going on when I noticed something strange. I kept having this urge to look outside but I never noticed anything until one day I saw a figure standing there. Now my room was on the second floor, directly above the garage door that led into the basement. 
it was hella overgrown, as we never used the garage door and would have had a hard time being opened. I saw this figure outside from across the yard, and it was just standing in a sandbox we had out there. Then it walked directly towards the house, came under my window, paused, then went into the garage, right through the door. I couldn't tell a gender or anything, just that a person had walked into our house through a closed door. <sighs> this repeated itself every night until we moved out of that house. After moving, I decided I wanted to be a big kid and live in the attic rooms of my new house. My bedroom and the bathroom had entrances into the attic. The door in my room had no locks, so I kept a chair in front of it to kind of block it off. Just me being paranoid. I started having these nightmares where the person from the sandbox outside would come out of the attic at night and lean over me, watching me sleep. And when I would wake up, it would be so dark I couldn't tell if it was still a dream or not. The final story I have was one day my sister and I were home and our babysitter never showed up. So we ended up being home alone for an entire evening. We were watching TV in the family room and decided to go to sleep. But neither of us wanted to sleep alone because it was raining really hard and we were kind of scared of being home alone. So we just stayed on the couch. While we were sitting on the couch, we heard someone walking down the stairs. These stairs had very distinct sounds when being stepped on, and we heard it walk down the hallway into our bedrooms. I had moved downstairs at this point, and the nightmares had stopped as soon as I did. There was no one in the house. We knew that none of the doors nor any windows had been open because the alarm system would have made that beeping noise it does when someone opens any entry point. That was the last really scary encounter I had, aside from hearing the sounds of someone walking around upstairs when I was home alone, and the occasional feeling of dread when I would hear them. But I don't know if that was just the house settling, or me freaking out because I was alone. But yeah, that about sums it up. Thank you, Shindari, for your story. I found that one really creepy. I've had I've had an experience of waking up and seeing shadow figures uh, lean over my bed one time when I was staying at a friend's house. It was really spooky. Okay, our next story of the evening comes from Scarlet. My experience at the Driscoll Hotel in Austin, Texas. I am one of those people who eats, sleeps, and breathes horror. I love macabre, ghost stories, and especially haunted locations known for their paranormal activity. I have only just begun my journey of staying at as many haunted hotels as possible, but this experience was different from the few I've had thus far. It wasn't my first 
And although I have this deep sensation of dread as I say it, it certainly won't be my last. My husband, who is on the rocks about most things paranormal, thinks I'm an absolute psychopath, respects and accepts my passion. (laughs) And to celebrate my 28th birthday, he let me know a week before the date that we would be traveling somewhere and staying there for two nights as a surprise. I had a deep feeling in my gut that we would be driving to Austin to stay at the Driscoll Hotel. With that in mind, I packed up my bags and made sure to include my camcorder and my tripod, just in case. (sighs) That week slowly crawled by, but we finally found ourselves on the road headed down I-10. And once we hit Interstate 71, I knew we were headed to Austin. Once we made it to the city, and we turned on Brazos Street, the rest was history, and we had officially arrived at the infamous Driscoll Hotel. We entered into the grand lobby, and there, Colonel Jesse Driscoll stood in darkness, contained within an ornate golden frame. As we carried our suitcases past the lonely man, I could see the sadness in his eyes. We took the lift up to the eighth floor to our room. The hallways were thoughtfully decorated with stunning artwork every three feet or so from each other. And it was clear that the design throughout the structure would have delighted most, if not all, of their political and socialite guests. We stepped into our room, and to my surprise, it was light and airy. Nothing about this room made me feel uneasy. We changed our clothes, unpacked our belongings, and planned to go out for a light meal to kick off the evening. Before leaving the room, I plugged in my camcorder to charge in preparation for our first night. After eating a small meal, we made our way to Joe's coffee shop and watched the soft rain fall onto the pavement around us as we patiently awaited for the ghost tour to begin. We thought we might be the only ones on the tour considering the weather was not ideal, and of course the reality of the pandemic being the backdrop of everywhere we went. But to our surprise, it was a full house. There were a handful of other couples, two families with small children, and a pair of friends. We first discussed the Frost Tower, and then the Spaghetti Warehouse, the Speakeasy, and then a great story about the first heavily documented serial killer in America who allegedly may have been Jack the Ripper who may have resided in Austin, Texas, as a butcher prior to moving to Europe. Just when I thought I couldn't wait any longer, we turned the corner and there the Driscoll sat, waiting for her story to be told. Having done research on the hotel prior to staying, I was expecting the guide to bring up the death of Samantha Houston and the creepy painting of her that is located in the building. However, I apparently hadn't done enough research 
because there were not one, but two additional stories that I found particularly sinister that I had not heard about prior. The suicide bridges, he began. Long story short, it's believed that two young women who were in the hotel for their honeymoons had both committed suicide by gruesomely shooting themselves in the stomach and bleeding out in the bathtub. The scariest part is that they had both stayed in room 525 and had both taken their lives in the same bathtub exactly 20 years apart from one another. I have a habit of getting really excited to stay at haunted hotels and then after taking the ghost tour, getting pretty freaked out. But that wouldn't stop me from staying the night. I would be lying, though, if I said I wasn't ready for a drink, or six, as a precaution to sleep peacefully through the night. We headed to the Driscoll Bar and enjoyed the busy atmosphere discussing all of the new things we just learned. After I finally felt all warm and fuzzy, it was time to go find the famous painting of Samantha Houston on the fifth floor. Now, the floor level we were staying on was a straight hallway and nothing more. When we exited the elevator onto the fifth floor and I saw the straight hallway in front of us, I thought it must be pretty similar and we would find the painting in no time. I looked to my right, expecting to see the wall similar to the 8th level, but instead was met with yet another long hallway. My curiosity pulled me down the mysterious hallway, so we veered right and began walking. About midway, I was met by yet another opening to yet another long hallway. Wow. The fifth floor was like a maze. We wandered for a bit. I sang her name as we stepped quietly through. Samantha! I giggled drunkily. Where are you? My eyes finally met with hers. She gazed at me as if she heard me calling for her. Her eyes had no evil in them. She was pure innocence. Her eyes were big and beautiful, much like that of a deer. I filmed from afar and slowly walked up to the painting. We took a few photos. I have attached one to this email. Then we headed up to the room, completely forgetting about room 525 which I'm actually 100% okay with. We settled into our room and talked a bit about the night until we got too tired to stay up any longer. Before getting into bed, I pulled my camcorder off the charger, turned it on, and confirmed it had 100% battery, and placed it on the tripod and began filming the night. It must have been roughly 2 a.m. when I was woken by a fly buzzing around my face. I watched him zoom back and forth, and then I finally slapped him down. I grabbed my phone and turned on the flashlight, 
where I then shined the light onto my hand and could see what was left of the fly and his blood. I don't remember a lot after that, but I must have fallen back to sleep. I must have been dreaming, because the next time I woke up, I was standing in the corner of the room, right where my tripod was set up. I looked at the bed, and there I saw my husband and myself sleeping. I stood there frozen. My husband was sleeping in a normal position, but my head, my head was halfway down the mattress and my feet were hanging off the bottom. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I can't even explain how. It didn't feel long after that, that I seemed to have woken up, now back in bed. And I began screaming and crying hysterically. My husband turned over and comforted me. And I laid there awake for quite some time until I fell back to sleep. Again, I woke up finding myself standing in the corner of the room, in the same spot as before. But this time was different. I could see my husband in bed, and to be quite honest, I don't recall whether I was in the bed with him or not, because my attention was on the other side of the room. From the corner I was in, I had a clear shot of the entrance into the powder room and bathroom where I saw a woman dressed in housekeeper clothes. I could tell at that moment that her outfit was not from our time. She crossed the door frame from the powder room with the vacuum and went into the bathroom where I could no longer see her. She then took a step backwards back into the door frame as if she had perhaps seen something that caught her attention. And she looked right at me. She had this dark hair that was pulled back and she stood there in silence. She was clearly there right in front of my eyes, but she had this washed out presence about her. She was not bright, just illuminating some sort of dim, bluish, low light that looked like she was fading. The exchange of looks had me feeling as though I was the one who was watching her, and she then carried on with her duties out of my sight. Ugh, finally. It was daylight the next time I woke up. Despite feeling as though I was hit by a bus and got absolutely no rest, I had never been so excited about the morning. And the first thing I did was turn over to my husband, exhausted. I started by explaining the weird fly that woke me up and then proceeded to ask if he had remembered me waking him up crying. He said that he was 100% sure 
that he had not been woken up, nor did he hear me crying or screaming. After this, I realized maybe I had been dreaming when I thought I was awake. I was completely lost in my own reality. I then remembered that I had been recording the whole night and rushed to the camcorder and pulled it off the tripod to review the footage. Upon opening the camcorder, I was greeted with a message. Corrupt file. I was in disbelief about the events that took place the night before. And now I would never know if I had potentially caught something on video. I saw no blood anywhere, or any remnants of the fly, and no evidence of the events that took place. I was defeated, and terrified that I had to stay at this hotel, in this room for another night. The close of this story is this. I did not record the second night because I felt as though maybe that provoked whatever I experienced the night prior. After more drinking and lots of lights on, I managed to sleep on night two with no disturbances. When we finally returned home, I was having trouble sleeping for about four days because I kept having this feeling that I was being watched. It finally shook off in time, and I am recharged and ready to go and check out another haunted location. But this was definitely something I did not expect, and will never forget. Thank you, Scarlet, for that really creepy story. I, too, am in love with all things horror and macabre, and I would love, love to go and stay at a bunch of these haunted hotels, especially in Texas. So, our last uh, story is an encounter that I had with my partner a few years ago. My partner and I have been living in our apartment for several months before moving into a larger unit, and we never had any issues with our neighbors. One night, we were sitting on the couch, playing a game on the Nintendo Switch, and we had been playing for a while when we started hearing a banging coming from the wall with the TV against it. On the other side of that wall, would have been our neighbor's bedroom, and we had assumed he was banging because of the volume. But it wasn't blazingly loud, so we were confused, but decreased the volume anyway. The banging didn't stop, though. We sat there, listening to this soft thudding move along the wall into our kitchen. Now, just to clarify, we've never had any issues of hearing our neighbors through the walls. They're pretty solid, and you can really only hear someone if they're being excessively loud, or banging on the wall. So we are sitting on the couch, listening to the thuds 
when we hear a bang, bang, bang coming from the front door. The dogs started barking and I jumped, my heart pumping hard in my chest. My partner, who by this time had paused the game so no sound was coming out, shot up and went to the door and looked through the peephole. He opened the door and walked out. I was freaking out and didn't understand why he went outside. I stayed in the apartment hoping he would come back in and say it was the neighbor complaining about the noise. But he never came back in. Not for a while. Scared, I looked through the peephole to see what was going on if I could. And my partner was just standing there. I thought he was talking to somebody, but I slowly opened the door and asked him what was going on. He turned, walked back into the apartment, and said nobody had been there when he walked outside. Our apartment was in the middle of a long hallway. It would have taken a bit for someone to get all the way down and out of sight without him seeing. And he waited there long enough to see if somebody would come out if they were hiding. Nothing. Really freaked out, we settled back on the couch and resumed our night. It's now the middle of the night. I'm not sure of the exact timing. My partner gets up to go use the bathroom. On his way back into the bedroom, he stops and sees a tall dark figure standing just inside the doorway. As he stood there, he watched as this dark figure turned and walked into our walk-in closet. In his sleepy days, he crawled back into bed and fell asleep. The next day was a Saturday, which is our weekly clean the apartment day. And as we are finishing up, my partner begins describing to me what he saw in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, it's time to break out the sage. <laughs> After getting the apartment cleaned, I went through every corner and every cupboard to cleanse every inch of the apartment. I finished at the opened front door and pushed whatever was in the apartment out. Ugh, feeling like everything was cleansed, we sat down on the couch to breathe. After a minute or so, I turned to him and said, When it knocks on the door tonight, don't open it. My partner gave me an incredulous and questioning look, and we proceeded with our day. Later that night, we again were hanging out, having dinner, having pushed the events of the previous night from our attention. When we heard a completely normal and easy-sounding knock on our front door, 
rice still in my mouth, I immediately ran, tiptoe to the door, and looked through the peephole. I had gotten there mere seconds after we heard the knock. And there was nobody at our door. I couldn't even hear anybody walking away, which is something you can definitely hear. I turned around and looked at my partner, who had also gotten up, and told him. We didn't open the door that night, and nothing else happened. Later, my partner said that he could feel the same or a similar presence when he would take the dogs out for a walk. So maybe it was some sort of trickster spirit that just found us one day. We also spoke to our office manager, who then spoke to our neighbor. They said they hadn't done anything. I believe them. We would have heard their door shut when they came out and went back inside. These are heavy doors. And that was one of the creepiest experiences I've ever had. That concludes this episode of Haunted HTX Podcast. I want to thank Shundere and Scarlett again for their stories, and Oscar for doing the intro music. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode, and please feel free to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening. And tell your friends about the new spooky podcast you're listening to. If you have a story you'd like to share for the podcast, email me at hauntedhtx at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at hauntedhtx on Twitter and Instagram, or on Facebook at hauntedhtxpod. With that, have a happy Halloween and thanks for listening. See y'all later.